you're still here, Mike. What's up, man? Yeah, no, I'm, <laughs> I'm still working on my last show. Um, so I didn't, I specifically didn't give myself like an exit date because it's yeah. really important for me to have seven whatever years of being here culminate in a show that I'm really proud of. And I have not finished the show. Every time I think I'm done, I'm like, oh, it needs a little bit of tie being there or it needs a little bit more prostitution. It needs something. <laughs> and so I'll start down some kind of weird Savannah um, rabbit hole and then start working on another kind of like section for the show. Cause right now it's up to 30 pieces and that's a lot for me. And a lot of them are yeah. large, which is also like a big thing for me. So it's taking a little bit more time. It's completely out of my comfort zone. Um, but I'd hope to leave by around now or like November. Right. Um, but I just kept working on stuff and I thought, you know, there's no real need to go right this moment. I'm very emotionally ready. Um, but clearly there's something in me that's like, just do a little bit more. Um, so it just keeps growing and growing and I have no idea where I'm going to show it. And if I can't show it at a place that I'm really excited about, then I might just have a private event at my home just to invite people over to appreciate the artwork. And then whatever doesn't sell goes to San Diego with me. That's awesome, man. Well, I, that's exciting. And of course, um, you know, we talked about that, that article that I wrote about you was one of, that was one of my most popular articles ever. And that is actually one of the reasons why I think that was so important so I, I wrote an article that's coming out this week and I included this thing that I had been sort of holding on to for a few months that Troy Wanzell said that I didn't include when I wrote about him in an interview. And that was basically that Savannah is like a bad art critique, a bad high school art critique where everybody is afraid to say anything bad because they're afraid of like hurting someone's feelings or whatever. Don't get me wrong. I like to be positive too. Like I like to be positive. I, I, I want to like be supportive and stuff, but I think like it's a pervasive thing of like not ruffling any feathers. And that means not just ruffling people's feathers are like emotionally, but I mean like artistically too. So like when I see artists who and I, you know, I've been now I've been doing the radio show for four years, but I've been living here for 10 years and following stuff. And I see artists whose work was really exciting to me year, like several years ago, now doing work, which is not exciting to me anymore. And I'm talking like literally doing like floral work and like painting, like this kind of stuff that's like, to me, it's just not really interesting. So why don't we just get right into this interview? Because Aeoli, I think what you're doing with Saw the Wheel and all of your performance art stuff is awesome and powerful. And what I love about it is it's super accessible. Like, you know, I went there to the, to one of your recent shows with my kid and it was like totally fine for my kid, but it was also creepy and weird and awesome. Like for me as an adult. And I love that. And Michael, I mean, pretty much every other piece has male genitalia in it. And, oh. <laughs> <laughs> and like, you're just doing what is speaking to you as an artist. And then on the other hand of it is like snarky cynicism, but like humor and there's all this kind of stuff that's going on there. So why don't I start with you, Michael, because I, I think that, you know, you and I have known each other for a long time now and, uh, you know, you are working on this big show and we kind of talked about this maybe six months ago or whatever. 
Why have you decided to go in a non-traditional route here in Savannah, a place that is full of a lot of art opportunities and a lot of artists? What has made you decide, I want to go in a non-traditional route, like artistically? It may be full of art opportunities, but they're kind of the same opportunity. You know what I mean? It's a very insulated area with a very acceptable and specific route for how to proceed in this area with very safe artwork. And to me, it's just, I don't know, like I'm happy to do stuff in Savannah. And if somebody invites me to a group show, usually I'll say yes, if I feel like I can contribute something. Um, But if if I, if I feel like I'm not growing or if I feel like I'm not saying anything, then what's the point, you know? Yeah, and, and what about you, Ioli? Because now, of course, my first exposure to you and your work was as the OnView resident at Sulphur Studios. And Sulphur's all three of us, and Zay, who couldn't be here, all three of us have been helped by Sulphur, shown at Sulphur. Sulphur's a great place. And I think that they do a lot of really great things for the community. But since then, I don't think I've seen any of your stuff in a traditional space whatsoever. You literally built a truck to show your artwork on. You've kind of partnered up with a new age store to use their parking lot to do your shows. And I know you kind of come from a place where DIY stuff like in Pittsburgh was like really like a big part of that artistic environment. But like, what made you decide? Because you came to Savannah and like you could have had all these connections. You pretty much right off the bat get involved with Soulful Studios. What made you decide, hey, you know what? F all this. I'm just going to go do my own thing. Oh, wow. Um, actually, when I wrote my um, proposal to Sulphur, I let them know that I was I came from well, I, I moved here from New Orleans. I'm originally from Pittsburgh. And those cities actually have a lot more in common than people realize. People compare Savannah to New Orleans, which they have nothing in common. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So it's just funny, um, except for trees and weather. And Um, drinking on the street. I think it's because people think you can drink on the street. That's why people make that connection, I think. Because I saw you post up something about that on social media recently. And I was like, they just say that since you can drink open, that it's the same, but it's not. There's that. Yeah. And, it, but as far as like the artist community, not the same. And I let Sulphur know that um, I recently just moved here and Sulphur was the only, uh, was a beacon for me mm-hmm. as a, as an artist moving to a city where I couldn't see clearly uh, very much community art happening and didn't know how to meet people to get involved to, you know, even to break through. It was less than a year, I think, that since I'd moved here that I applied for that. So that is true about sulfur, but in in that time between then and um, making, building out the truck, I was playing in a band and the only places to play were bars. And I was still kind of like, what the hell about the just lack of space and where I come from, there's really strong, like punk community. There's really strong, like uh, just um, people, not, not people who went to art school, not people who have gallery representation, not people who have, 
um, you know, all of these other opportunities, but they just make art like as a lifestyle. And that's where I come from. So I was like, there needs to be a place for people to have access to, to show their work. And I want the performance um, art route, but I've been doing a little bit of gallery stuff. Cosmic Corner, by the way, Mm -hmm. the reason why I chose, well, I didn't choose, but I, um, fell in with them was because they had a private parking lot and were very generous to give me a free space that was private yet public. Therefore, I didn't have to deal with cops. I didn't have to deal with city permits. I didn't have to deal with a lot of stuff I didn't want to deal with. (laughs) So I could have like a gorilla show in a parking lot that anyone off the street could come in. And that was, that was my, what I, that was really what I was looking for. And they're really cool people, really generous, really, Uh, they've been awesome to work with and since then i've had other people offer me parking lots so yeah carmen carmen laura loop is amazing i had an opportunity to interview them i guess a few months ago when their third novel came out audacity three and their vibe is really cool and of course you've worked you know I kind of think of some of your collaborators like Skippy Spiral as a musician and performance artist is totally insane. And Becca Cook is probably one of the people who artistically I respect more than almost anybody in this, in the city, as far as that goes. She never stops. Oh my God. It's it's insane. Yeah. I don't even understand it. Like I'm like, how did you make all of this stuff? And when? Like, I swear to God, she has some kind of portal that she goes into and time slows down and she speeds up and she makes stuff and then comes back to join the rest of us. I don't know how she does it. She literally works through the nights. Like, she doesn't sleep. She I has do. insomnia. She's the one person where I'm like, I, I lay down before you. I don't understand <laughs> how you do this. I have nothing but respect and love and curiosity for how you function. So this is interesting because I think this falls in line kind of with what you just said, Ioli, and and Michael, you're kind of reiterating this. Is like there are pieces of that community, like that, which you're kind of talking about, Ioli, that this like almost punk feel, like where you know people kind of do their own thing and really don't care. Like there's people like the two of you and Becca, and and I'm wearing a titty bat shirt right now. It's this artist for losers. I think Titty Bats falls into that category as well. Zay Hutchins, people who are doing this stuff. But I don't, I wonder, and I I always like to say the art community here is really strong because people support each other. Like they'll show up to the events and stuff like that. But I wonder though, are we falling short a little bit though? Because you said, you described it only as sulfur is like the beacon. I think of it like an oasis. It's like this one place where they don't care if you make sales, they don't care if your work is necessarily like mainstream accessible. They have a lot of opportunities that they offer there as far as like what you can do. But I don't necessarily know that there's really much other than that. Like people are having to build their own communities like you did with Saw the Wheel. And Michael, you're kind of on an island. I mean, you sort of just do your own thing and all of your business is coming from online. It's all online. Yeah, it's something and it's completely different because like I've told you before, you know, San Diego is uh, it's not entirely fair to compare the two because it's such a larger city. But artwork there was very accessible. There was a gallery on every block. It was very open. There were block parties. 
it was just hard not to be in the art community there. And here, for whatever reason, and a, and a large part of it is because it's smaller, but it's just not nearly as accessible. And it, it blows my mind. I really feel like some kind of sociopath because I don't know why it's so hard for me to find other artists or things to join in. And I'm like, am I just, did I just somehow age like 40 years since moving here where I just don't know how to like relate to people anymore? Um, (laughs) It's very weird. And I I feel like I just kind of, I get so much more enjoyment out of just sealing myself away in my studio and working on stuff and having a thriving online presence and career that way that you know, after spending so much time here and feeling like I have so little socially to really show for it, it just kind of makes me feel like, well, if I only have six months or so left in Savannah, I guess I'm just going to kind of keep to myself and keep working on what I'm working on because I'm happy with what's coming out and I'm happy with what I'm doing. But it would be nice to be in a community where I felt like I had other people to share it with or collaborate Mm -hmm. with. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, and that's, I mean, you and I tried to collaborate on something and like we worked hard on that. We both were working hard on that project and it fell through. Same thing it with Becca be Cook. It's not hard. No, it's it not hard to find venues or to find people willing to support what you're doing. And I feel like even in Tucson, Arizona, it was easier to get stuff up and going. And for some reason, with one of the biggest art schools in the world right here, literally on our doorstep, you still can't get stuff going outside of SCAD. I would argue that it's because of SCAD that it's so difficult for the community to um, have space, which SCAD um, does monopolize space here. There are so many, in, in Pittsburgh and New Orleans, there are so many different kind of weird, not just galleries, but different kinds of venues, different kinds of like, houses that that collectives run for community to gather to share art and that is something space a hundred percent is one of the biggest things that I find difficult and lacking in Savannah is accessible space across the board when I can't imagine being a young person um, in Pittsburgh without punk shows, without galleries, without meeting spaces. And when I said, like, when I was in a band here for a couple of years and the only places to play were bars, I thought, like, where do young people go, though, then? Like, what do they do here? I don't even understand what it's like to be under the age of 21 in Savannah. Where do you go? What do you do? And then there are the the neighborhoods that are kind of um segregated Mm -hmm. for lack of a better word there's like a real serious segregation issue and it's and it's really like the people who are the working class people of savannah live in these residential places with no meeting spaces in them besides you know private homes which i know is is what um the anecdote has been but even then since I've moved here about four years ago every house show I've I've been to had shut down that was like the last show that they had and even when you have house shows it is exclusive I mean Mm -hmm. and and it and it 
I mean, rightfully so, because you don't want everyone in the world that you don't know coming to your private home. So that's understandable. But there aren't any accessible spaces for working class artists to even run in Savannah, which is why I bought a pickup truck. Actually, it was all but donated to me by another artist who who just liked my idea and believed that I would pull it off. And so I had to I had to rise to my own challenge and <laughs> prove that I deserved it. But so I, um, the only, you know, I, I didn't move here thinking, oh, I'm going to start a venue. I moved here thinking I would just like, you know, fall into a, um, a new city with new artists. And, you know, I was excited about everyone I met, Skippy, Becca, you know, everybody um, that I, that I've hung on to for dear life, because otherwise I would have just felt like what, is going on here like nothing but scad which is kind of elitist kind of gatekeeping you know expensive school with a lot of money and and the people who live like on the east side born and raised in savannah i don't think feel ownership of savannah i don't think they feel proud of savannah you know i don't think they feel like this city is is here for them and that's it's not, what it's I really yeah. yeah, I know, Michael, you like it. This is so funny because I feel like a lot of the things that Eoli is saying are they line up a lot with what you've been taught, what you were talking oh, about 100%. when you first came back to Savannah after having been away for a while. And you kind of you you said almost the exact same words as what Eoli just said, which was that yeah, you were excited. You were like meeting all these people and they were cool people and like they're doing and somehow it never like took that step beyond that almost like surface level interaction. I feel like, and I feel that like that's some, and I, I mean, I feel as well connected to the art community as I will put my contacts in the art community up against anyone in this community. And I still do feel that like you, you talked about segregation and I think you you might, I think you're actually pointing out like literal segregation between racial segregation, which still exists because I can't even tell you how many times in community stuff where people would be like, well, the crime isn't in your neighborhood. It's coming from over there. And they would literally, it was like a secret code. What they really meant was on the other side of 52nd Street, which was predominantly a black neighborhood in, a, in opposition to my neighborhood, which is on this side of 52nd, it was the crime was coming from the black neighborhood, even though I live on 50th Street. That's two blocks away. But there's like literally a dividing line that people like mentally, I don't know, they reinforce it. And it like, it somehow becomes almost real, even though it's not real. It's like, they want that to be like a thing that exists. And so I think that there is like actual racial segregation, but I think there's artistic segregation, like what you talked about between SCAD, between, you know, various groups of artists that aren't necessarily like we interact when we go to each other's shows, but we don't really interact in the sense that we're creating like a larger community that means something beyond just like that surface level. Like, hey, it's cool to see you, man. What's cool to see you, bro? Like, have, let's have a hug, you know? But then it doesn't really materialize into those people like doing something cool or putting on like some crazy show and like some random, like abandoned building or like that. None of that That's stuff seems to ever happen. Abandoned buildings are bought up by Scat. You True. Know? True. Like all the cool, funky spots, because I, I totally feel you on that, because even in San Diego and in Tucson, there were always 
weird transitional properties that we would claim for a night or for a week or whatever and stuff like that property is so hot in savannah between the property necessities the drinking culture and i think so many artists being here for different reasons that to me has been what's been the biggest problem for me i i think in other cities i've had a better time finding other adults that were doing art full-time as their career Whereas Savannah makes it so hard because there are so few places to really sell your art here. Unless you have a strong online presence, you're kind of screwed. So a lot of the people that I meet here and talk about or think about doing something with will pull out because they have a work thing that comes up or something else, you know, mm -hmm. whereas other artists that are doing it full time understand the importance of having a venue, having a show, working on a project together. And so until you can find those other like-minded people, it makes putting on those mega shows and, and weird, fun things much more difficult if you can actually find the venue to do it. <laughs> and I do. people don't end up moving away from Savannah. And I've also met some people I really liked that also were on their way out when I was on my way in. And when I said, I want to do this and this and this, they were like, well, good luck, kid. And now <laughs> they're gone and, and I'm plotting my escape. Well, there is one thing, and that's and, and I think you'll agree with this, Michael, and that is an advantage to the kind of business that you've built, although this is changing and it's becoming worse and worse, is that at least when I moved here, Savannah was a very affordable. Yeah. Now, the funny thing is, is I couldn't really afford to buy my house now. The house I live in, I bought 10 years ago. A house one block away from me sold for $400,000 last year. Like I could not afford to live in my own neighborhood now. Yeah. So I got lucky. So, and you have been in, you've been in your spot for a while. I know you kind of moved out, came back in or whatever, but it's, it's like, I've lived here for five years now. And it's like, I, it's, <laughs> I'm so protective of it. I somehow landed right downtown, right by the park. I'm in walking distance from everything. I have my studio in here, everything. And I think it's because maybe it's like the ugliest house on a really nice block for some reason it's affordable and my landlord likes me because every time she comes over here she's like oh wow this looks really good you really keep it up and i'm like this is where i create this is where i work it has to be you know clean and tidy and whatever anyway she's been very good about my rent and i know what other people are paying all around me and i'm like please don't let her open up a newspaper or whatever it is that she does to figure out what to raise the rent in six months but i mean yeah that's you have a little bit of a unicorn there though i mean like that's Absolutely. that's you know and that's and so i don't think it's necessarily affordable anymore like it was no. when i moved here or when you came back i mean i think you and i have been here about the same amount of time now you've been I, back i came back specifically because i knew that when i was first starting my business in san diego i thought this is great but i want to be someplace a little cheaper for a few years so i don't have to you know, focus on selling as much and can sell, but also focus on creating. And that's why I came back here. But now it's like, I look around and I'm like, I'm glad things are okay for me because if I was still making what I made a few years ago, I wouldn't be able to live here even. So Michael, you're putting together sort of your final show here in Savannah. And it's, I can't wait to see what you come up with. I'm sure it's going to be insane. And I cannot wait. Ioli, you're really putting out awesome stuff. I mean, you're, you're, regular performance art pieces. I think one of the things that was so cool about what you've been doing too in the last couple of years is that it was pandemic safe. You know, like even when things were kind of going crazy, like 
my wife and I and our kids showed up and threw out a little blanket and watched your show outside in the parking lot, you know, um, and, and, and of Cosmic Corner. There's a reason, though, that we're here still. I mean, Michael, you're, you're, you're about to get the F out of here, so maybe you don't include. But we're finding some inspiration here. You know, obviously, we're finding some inspiration here. I've got a project I coming up. With- I'm always going to love Savannah. Savannah's an amazing town. It's not perfect. It's not right for me for the long haul, but it is a really great town, which is what's so frustrating is because the potential is there. The mystery, the sexuality, the darkness is all there. All prime artistic inspirations are there, but it's just letting the town let you indulge in those artistic practices is the problem. What do you think, Eoli? Because I mean, you are you're doing stuff, you're collaborating with people, you're creating new works. I think that there's also this kind of underlying positivity with what you do. I mean, just in the sense that you mentioned, you're really focused on all ages. So you're getting together things that are for the entire community. It's all free, essentially. I mean, pluses or minus. I mean, I understand as somebody who does performance art myself, it's not a particularly lucrative artistic career path, but obviously you're getting inspired. I mean, what, what is kind of keeping you, what is keeping the energy going for you now you've been here for four years? To be fair, if I could, I would leave. (laughs) (laughs) I, I would move back to new Orleans in a heartbeat. If my kid's dad would agree. And I've actually been asking him sometimes in moments of real disillusionment, disenchantment, I'm like, let's go home. But honestly, I do this so I can stand living here. Like Mm. I'm just trying to make something cool (laughs) that, you know, fills my cup, you know? So your art. I mean, If I didn't have, if I didn't have the small community that I, that I have built here, I would be so depressed, but I have really great people. Um, I've worked with some of the best people I've ever worked with anywhere um, in Savannah. And you know what I think too, and that I really, um, I see is that a lot of the people that I do work with otherwise would work alone. Um, Becca Cook spends a lot of time alone, Mm -hmm. making, making, making alone. Skippy spends a lot of time alone, making, making, making. So when we come together, which I, I just really, I just wasn't brought up in that kind of situation. I do do my own work, but I, but I was also really a part of you know, scenes, I guess, you know, that were collaborative and always in bands, you know, always going to see circuses and I mean, punk circuses, not like Ringling Brothers, you uh-huh. know, like Brother kind Brothers. of equivalent so of what you did, like with your with your um, Alice in Wonderland, like almost felt circus, like there's a circus feel to that to me, like with all the music and the performance felt, I felt like I was at a crazy punk circus. <laughs> good <laughs> that's, what, that's what I'm going for I mean because that's what I need so I'm just doing what I'm just making the kind of art that I want to see and pull and pulling people in you know I saw a guy I saw a guy come out of Foxy with a unicycle 
one day and I was like, oh, hey, you ride a unicycle. Here's my number. <laughs> you know, like if I see people doing weird stuff, I'm like, here's my number. Let me know. Like you want a stage. And that's another thing is that what what started out as a, a very specific idea that was a mobile puppet theater turned into a venue that was there was a we did a lot of variety shows and you know a clown toured through uh, another band you know a bluegrass band, like a lot of you know a lot of things came together that I never set out for that just you know kept coming up and I just kept saying yes because I'm like this is cool this is cool this is cool yes 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 and so that's just what I want to keep doing. And I'm really like focused more on kind of creating large scale altars for artists to be elevated and glorified mm. to do their thing, which is kind of when I'm doing my own personal art, it is a lot of altars and yeah. it is, a, you know, that's kind of the art I make. So it's just kind of grown in scale and come <laughs> live action. So instead of just all wood so that I'm, I'm excited. And like, like you said too, just about like challenging and pushing. One thing that's cool about being an artist is that the only person, the only one I'm competing against really is myself. Like I just need to keep out doing myself and growing. I'm not here to like paint flowers for tourists. So if I were, you know, cool. Like maybe I would think like, oh, Savannah's just perfect art city. But um, <laughs> like, we're not here for that. We're here to like do weird, new, um, you know, wild stuff. And if we weren't, oh my gosh, there would just be like so much flowers and Oh, there's another thing. We were talking about segregation and like how there's this, you know, kind of boundary that we're we're kept from from crossing in terms of being interesting or offensive or expressive, you know, in, in any way. And that I think that um I'm just gonna not hold back for this interview. So Don't because hold I know back. you're just you're just going to edit what you will. So I, I want to say that like someone like Panhandle Slim's work is is really difficult to, to reconcile. Why? Why is a white artist wall to wall using iconic black images and voices, but there are no black artists wall to wall being elevated like that and it's just like it's just like this um message is being sent out that this is acceptable but not that you know like this is that this person has a microphone but no one else gets one and so it's just like i'm like well i'm gonna bring a microphone to a parking lot <laughs> you know because that because what else can you do because the city's not gonna say okay in fact, I, I don't want them to know <laughs> until, until after. You're better off just, yeah, I mean, as what recently happened when Clinton Edminster tried to get the free walls or living walls put off of Bull Street in the Starland District, which would have been open to all people to make art on those walls, those were denied. Those That was denied in the single longest commission meeting I have ever been to a single longest commission hearing 
for any issue I've ever heard, and I have been to a lot. It was an hour and a half. I listened to it twice. One person compared legalizing the walls to murder. If we legalize that, we might as well just go ahead and legalize murder. The guy literally said those words. And another person talked about how, well, what if some new artist kicks over a can of paint and the paint drains down to the drain that's in the middle of the street and then that goes down to the ocean and harms wildlife? There was so much negativity built around this that by the time that the hearing was over, it was denied because they created this fear around this kind of thing. And that would have been very accessible to anyone. And it would have given anybody the microphone. Anybody could have gone up and taken that wall, like you said, and put what they needed to say up on that wall. But that would have been to maybe too much, I think. And that's one of the things that's that. So we're all here. The three of us are here bitching about this. And I think rightfully so, because I'm frustrated right now. And this is one of the reasons why I even put this together and wanted to bring the three of you on specifically. And unfortunately, of course, Zeke is ill, so he couldn't make it. But this is the reason why I wanted to bring you three on was because I'm frustrated about this because, Michael, you're leaving. Yoli, you just revealed that if you could, you would leave. And you're actually trying to. I don't know what Zay, I don't know what Zay's position position is, but like that's so sad to me. Like, because that's the real, the real innovative talent. It's one thing if a SCAD kid graduates and decides to move somewhere else. It's another thing when professional artists who are doing interesting things don't find what they need in Savannah to stick around. So how do we change it? Like, what do we, first of all, what do we need to change? What are the things that need to change here? Well, Yoli's right. There needs to be more space. That to me is the biggest frustration. The fact that there aren't more venues for those creatives to really take over. And even just since I've been here, like nonfiction gallery, do you remember them? Uh Uh-huh. And that was one of my favorite places. It was a great space. Put on interesting, provocative work. And then there also used to be the art march. And both of those things made me so happy in general, because at that point, when I first moved here, I was living on 33rd Street. So I would walk by nonfiction all the time. And I, I mean, I, when, and then when the art march was going on, I couldn't do anything that day without bumping into something involved with it. And that's when I actually thought, you know, I moved here temporarily, but maybe I could stay here. And then a year later, that was gone. And then a year after that, nonfiction was gone. And then I started really looking around and thinking, what am I as a working artist doing here right now? You know, there was just, there's such a lack of things to go into. And it's fun to find your friends and find your crew and, and work on something together. But it's also really fun to be able to just join up with something else or just go to that gallery that you love and do something there. And there are some good galleries here, but they're few and far between and certainly not something that you just come across walking downtown. Yeah, I think Rule of Three and the Chapel are newer galleries that are interesting to me. I think they're doing some cool things. Rule of Three just opened um, recently. The Chapel opens, I don't want to say early, mid-2021, so in that area. We're, it's you know, still up in the air what's going to happen there. But I think it's really interesting, and, and this is one of the my, one of my complaints, is like, so you, you know, I mentioned Clinton tried to get these free walls up, and they were denied. And what has Clinton done since? Nothing, because he's demoralized. He's worn out from 
he does all these things that he's done. And I know people have some issues with Clinton and, and there, you know, there's different things, you know, he has his um, detractors as well. But the point is, is that Clinton put in a ton of effort to make art things happen in this town for no money, for nothing other than to make cool art stuff happen in this town. That was really it. I mean, like, that's what he did. He never got really paid. I mean, he got paid like a pittance for the amount of work that he had to do for these, like for the Starland Mural Project or the Fence Art Project or the Art March. Clinton was the one who was heading all of that up. And that's eventually like... What happened with that? Well, you know, the Alexandra, who was running nonfiction gallery, moved. She got a job in Indiana at like a university gallery. So she was doing that. Uh, what was the the name of the art writer is escaping me right now, but she was an art writer. She moved to Atlanta to write about art in Atlanta, I think for Creative Loathing, but I'm not entirely sure about that. And then there was Clinton and there was other people on that board. But, you know, you think about it is like it requires like one person to put in a massive amount of effort for no return. So those people get burned out. I mean, like even me, I think about this. I've been doing this radio show for over four years now for free. Don't get me wrong, I get paid to write for the newspaper, but the radio show part of it, which takes me at least a minimum of five hours a week to put it all together, is free. I get paid nothing to do that. It's because I love the arts and I love artists and I want to talk about artists and I want to help promote them. But I mean, I'm not going to do this forever. Eventually, I'm going to not do it. And if somebody doesn't just decide to take it over for me, it's just going to be gone. And that's what happened with Art March. Clinton left that organization and I'm, I'm kind of drawing a blank on what the name of the organization was but I, he left the organization other people were supposed to take it over and they didn't do a good job and it fell apart and it ended and that was it and that's kind of what happens or there was the square art fair happened one time in the middle of summer it's 100 degrees 110 awful. degrees yeah. like yeah. so these there's a lot of these things that happen but it requires literally a person to have that energy like yoli you're doing something amazing i think we would all agree that you're doing something amazing but what happens when you get tired of not getting paid any money to do all this stuff and it being it being cool is just not enough like because i think of the radio show for me is like this is really cool to do but it's less cool now than it was a few years ago i've been doing it for four years now and i've thought i've gone through my head like there were i i'm not saying i'm going to stop doing the radio show soon but i also think like there's going to be a time when i'm going to be like it's time to move on you know it's time for somebody else to do this so like i wonder like what is the solution like how do we do that like how do we create enough momentum or like create something that becomes self-sustaining where it becomes like where you're not necessarily dependent upon just a few people putting all of the weight on their back for very little return other than like hey this is like a cool thing that i want to do because like we also got to eat we got to like pay a rent <laughs> you know what i, I mean like my my thought to you would be to sort of like assemble your avengers and pick up people that you know are able to do artistic things and make a living for themselves and like yourself who are able to take on not for pay art projects assemble a small council of like six artists and professionals that you know are dependable that you know are capable of delivering and of also making their money elsewhere which is how it needs to be 
and then attack things like a new art march or something like that and find a way, put everything down on paper, make sure everyone's aware of it, choose people that will be there for you and figure out what you can get done, figure out the template for doing it and just go forward. Sounds hard. <laughs> I, mean, you probably, I mean, you yourself have said that you know you, that you have these contacts within the community here. So if anybody could pull together the people that were capable, I would think you could do it. I think one really important thing that stands out to me about like the kind of foundation of this direction the conversation has taken is Bull Street. Bull Street. What if you did the live art for the community in other places in the community where the community lives. Um, Bull Street is Airbnbs, SCAD, you know, it's really, there is the mission, which Bull Street is problematic actually in different ways. But um, if all the art <laughs> in the city is kind of, if all, all the art is just like, um, confined to Bull Street, I don't think people of the East Side, I don't think people of the West Side, I don't think people of the South, I don't think everyone feels really um, included in that invitation because they they don't want to, they, they talk about how Bull Street used to look or, you know, like how you know, things like this gallery that y'all are talking about that I, I hadn't heard of, but I have heard of other places. Like I have heard of venues that used to exist and I have heard of things Sulphur used to do or Graveface used to do. And it seems like the city does have a lot of restrictions and thwarts a lot of unpredictable people maybe <laughs> um that for example that wall idea because they didn't know who would come and what they would do but the thing is that I think is really important about a thriving city uh it's about a thriving all art culture in a city is that it's the people that live in that city mm -hmm. that feel a part of it. I know there's people, I live on the corner of um, Illinois and Pennsylvania. I know there's people in the, in the neighborhood. I know there's people, I don't know them and I'll never meet them if there's nowhere to meet them, but they're making art in their house that no one will see, but their friends, you know, they're making music, they're making punk music, they're making hip hop music, they're doing, they're having weird ideas, but no one will ever know because no one gives a shit about that neighborhood because all the attention is on Bull Street. And I'm just like, Bull Street's boring. <laughs> you know, <laughs> Bull Street is not the place to go. Like, what about, you know, and that, and there's no like grit, there's grit, but there's no like place where just like artists who, you know, the tourist will never see to see each other. And that has to matter. That has to matter too. Because if we were just doing this for the tourist, flowers would be fine. But, you know, it has to be for each other and ourselves. Mm -hmm. That is so well said. And I, this is exactly why I wanted to have the two of you on because you don't pull punches. And I think that's a really important. You know, it's so funny that you bring up this really specific idea, Yoli, because I mentioned that I have this article coming out. 
one of the points that I make is like kind of reflecting on 2021 is that there are a lot of artists in Savannah. Like, yeah, well, duh, we know that. But I think we don't really truly grasp that in terms of the people who are artists who you don't know are artists because they're not showing at the galleries or like getting out there. Because I did this a couple of, I did a couple of articles. Like I wrote one about my neighborhood, Parkside. And my neighborhood's 400 houses. And I know my, I lived in my neighborhood for 10 years. I've been involved in my neighborhood in like the community, like on the neighborhood association. And like, I write about art and like, I know my neighbors. I'm kind of, you know, a gregarious person. I talk to people. I put out on social media, like, hey, Parkside artists, like I want to get some new fresh faces for this article I'm trying to write. And I got so many responses from people I had no idea were making artwork that were making artwork. And I'm not just talking about like, they're just like doing like little crochet work on the weekends for their grandkids. I'm talking about making really good artwork that could be in these galleries and be in shows and like that people would buy at art fairs and stuff like that, that nobody knows about because they're just doing it in their home and like nobody really knows about it and i think that that's kind of what you're getting at is like there's literally all these like random people and they don't live in thomas square and like on on bull street they don't have connections to these galleries they're not on in city market and can afford to have a gallery in city market so like as the two of you have been saying like they don't have a venue so they're just making great artwork at home and nobody sees it And I think that's really an interesting thing. So I think that we have to kind of start rounding this off because we do only have an hour limit. Um, But the, I think that the getting the space is a really important idea, but as two, as two people who have mentioned going to weird unused spaces, how do we get that space? Because it's not going to come from renting a building in some place it's got to be under the radar so how does that happen how do we make the change for real well i think one of the i i know that one of the sorry to mention bull street but i know that one of the the pluses to that area was that it's perpetually under construction so i think one of art march's levels of brilliance or whatever was that they were able to go in there and talk to you know, the building owner or, you know, whatever, and just say like, look, you guys are starting construction on this in two months. It's empty now. Can we just use your front space for something? And they would say, yeah, no problem. So it's, you know, other areas where things like that could happen. It's dependent on whether or not there are actual spaces to be used there. Because if you're talking about neighborhoods where it's just, you know, one apartment building after the other, there's not going to be places where you can have stuff easily and accessible. So you have to have a, an area of town where there are spots you can actually inhabit, even if it's just temporary. Well, my thoughts on that, totally, yes, is that the city has to give a shit about the residents of the city. The city has to give a shit about the residents of the city as at least, at least as much as the tourists and the SCAD students. So there are buildings that the city owns that I was hired as an artist. Rob, I know you and Becca collaboratively were hired to also um, put work in the windows on waters. Mm -hmm. While I was doing that, people from the neighborhood were coming up and asking, is this a SCAD thing? 
Yeah. What are you guys doing? Right. And and we're like, oh, we're putting art in the way, you know, the city, blah, 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 blah. And they're like, okay, you know, but did the city ever go to that neighborhood and ask that neighborhood, like, y'all want to put, you want all want, you know, if there was a space for, and, and this, and everything is connected. <laughs> The city spends an awful lot of money on cops. There are a lot of cops in this city and they're driving down Waters Avenue, but they don't invest in spaces for people to go to have things, you know, to do and to feel valued. So it, I, I think if the city really wanted to um, have a healthier community, uh, less crime, more just um, investment in the community by the community, it would, it, would, it would invest that into the community to have a space like what, you know, it's not really for us. I don't know. It sounds like I'm just assuming that we are all transplants here. Um, so it's not really for us to say. I think it's for the people who, who live in these communities to say, like, there's this space here. It's going to sit empty until y'all have development plans. Meanwhile, we got nothing. Yeah, you know, it's interesting. And I think that one of the big hurdles there is trust in fear, you know, so it's like trusting that artists aren't going to just like go and like burn the building down and instead are going to actually go and do something cool. And that arts on waters thing was cool, but it, the infrastructure that they put behind that was like really pretty massive. And I don't think that they need to have that level of infrastructure in terms of like put like letting artists use space and even that not that much control over it you know what i mean like let it be weird and like maybe it's offensive even you know yeah, what i mean was, nothing ever became of that afterwards right that was like a i mean there were a couple of things that happened there and now it's been dead for a couple of years right pandemic i think there's a question of what to do with that space i recently saw from christopher monroe that was talking about projections for that space. And I just, and a lot of people said grocery store, you know. Grocery store would actually be a good option for that space because they're in a bit of a, uh, a wasteland, a desert. I mean, so, I mean, it would be good for that particular area for them to have a grocery store in that space. But I don't know. I mean, it's really, it is really interesting. Years ago, I was invited to the back when Julian Miller was my alderman for district four. This is right before, and Michael, you'll remember the fire fee. You remember the fire fee? Yeah, yeah. Okay, so you probably don't know this, Ioli, but the city proposed this tax, essentially, on everybody to pay for your firefighting. And it was the most universally panned idea that I can ever remember happening in the city. Everybody was opposed to it. There was not anybody who wanted this thing. But before the city released it, I was the chair of my neighborhood association and I got invited to this room in this building in on Abercorn street where they tried to sell us the fire fee before it was released to the public. They got by all the neighborhood association people there to try to sell it to us. And by the way, I just say in that meeting, everybody was opposed to it. Everybody in that meeting, all the neighborhood association heads were like, this is a terrible idea. What are you talking about? This is not a good idea. Everybody was opposed to it. Two weeks later, they announced it to the public. 
The point is, the reason why I bring this up, though, is we went into that building. That building was empty. There was not furniture. There wasn't, the lights were all off. There was like panels open in the, in the ceiling. It was a three or four story city owned property that was empty. And I was just like, when I remember going in there, I was like, why don't we just like let artists use this as like band practice space and like art studios and all that stuff. And I brought that up to the alderman at the time. And he was like, well, there's security issue and stuff. I'm like, it's much more of a security issue having no one in there ever than it would be to have artists policing themselves. And eventually you'll sell it. You know what I mean? You'll probably be more likely to sell that building if you actually have people in it. But the city has a fear that that idea, which really actually seems kind of simple on the surface to me, like it doesn't really seem like that great of a leap to say, let's do this cool thing. Everybody's asking for space. The space is vacant. It would be a total win. If an alderman said, I'm going to give all of this space to artists, they were, it would, everybody would be happy. Like, you know what I mean? It would be a huge PR win for them. But there's this fear, like, that the artists are going to go in there and, like, I don't know what they're going to, what are we going to do? I mean, we're like the, the, the villains somehow. You know what I mean? Like, we're like the villains. So I think you're right. I think the city does need to, that has to give an S about the people living here. Well, it's um, such a uniquely Savannah issue, too, because almost every other city takes advantage of, um, empty buildings or utility boxes, all these things around town that are just kind of government produced and unattractive. Every other city finds a way to put murals on things or to beautify things or let artists have a go at it. And Savannah just doesn't. We'll, we'll end this interview here with a tiny bit of hope. Melanie Wilson, who is the director of the NPC for City of Savannah now, in December, uh, or I'm sorry, November of 2019, I spoke with her and she came from Augusta. She moved to Savannah from Augusta and she actually organized in Augusta getting the electrical boxes painted there. And she is all about it. However, that was going to happen. And then the pandemic hit, there was going to be movement towards that. So there is for one little bright spot, there is that. And she had legitimate concrete ideas about funding and all this other stuff, and she's done it before. So maybe there's a little maybe bit of positivity. I love with her. <laughs> I know, and I have a before little bit of a. Takes out the rest of us. Just go ahead and see if we can make <laughs> something look pretty before that happens. Well, look, you guys, we've been talking for a long time. You've said a lot of really great things. I don't know if we've come up with any real solutions for anybody, and for our listening audience, I do apologize for that. But I think we had a lot of really great thoughts. And I appreciate the both of you coming on because I respect and admire not only you artistically, but I think philosophically. Before I let you all go, why don't, if people are interested in learning more about you and your artwork and want to follow what you're up to, what's the best way to do that? Uh, Michael, why don't you give all of your, your online everythings? My most, the only one you need to know is just my Instagram. That's, I update it daily. I always have stories. It's got work in progress and stuff that's where stuff is headed. And that's just Mr. Mahaffey, M-R-M-A-H-A-F-F-E-Y. That's it. Yeah, Mr. Mahaffey, search on Google will get you like all your things too and stuff like that. What about you, Eoli? Saw the wheel and all that stuff. Same Instagram, saw the wheel. There's an underscore in between all the words. And I'm going to post flyers for variety shows, which, you know, the more that folks come to the variety shows, 
the more they know that they're welcome to do whatever they want at the next <laughs> variety show. So hopefully it's just this, the variety show snowball is, you know, keep picking up folks. Awesome. Well, I really appreciate both of you coming on. Michael Mahaffey, Ioli Malali, thank you so much for coming on our Lanier today. We appreciate thank you. Thank you, Rob. Thank you, it's Michael. nice to finally see you, Ioli. Same. That's all the time we have for this week's episode of Art on the Air with your host, Rob Hessler. Listen every Wednesday for our live show, broadcasting from 3 to 4 p.m. Eastern Time on 107.5 FM, Savannah Soundings, and worldwide at WRUU.org. And you can catch past episodes on the WRUU station archives on our website, as well as on iTunes, Spotify, and Stitcher. We'll talk to you next week, where we'll have another batch of art on the air.